everybody. Welcome to the Family Jewels True Crime Podcast. My name is Brian Sobolewski, and welcome to episode 8 of season 3. And you know, I don't even know... I don't even know where to go from here. I'll be 100% honest with you. So much shit has transpired over the past couple of weeks that I don't know if I'm coming or going, um, speeding or stopping. Uh, I have essentially felt like... I have, so much of season three I have talked about being altered, and the events of the past couple of weeks have altered me in a way that I don't fully understand yet. So why am I back? Um, Why did I come back? Did you think I was gone forever? Um, You know, a, a lot of you know, a lot of you that listen, know where I went and know what happened but uh, just so everybody is on an even playing field I recently lost my father and brother they are no longer with us as a matter of fact tomorrow I am going actually Saturday I'm going to head over to where they lived and pick up their ashes and, and I'm bringing the boys home now, in terms of the details of what went down, uh, I don't, I don't, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very difficult to hash that out. It's going to be very difficult for me to talk to you guys and uh, without emotion. So that is why I have let the passage of time, and it's only been two months. It's only, it's only been two months. This happened on February 11th. I was getting ready for work. It was an early morning for me. I have a six o'clock spin class that I have to do and there was a knock at my door at 5 a.m. So I was up and it was two uh, police officers and they were there to tell me that my father and brother were gone and that I needed to call a detective over in Trinity, Florida to find out the details. And uh, I did that in their presence, which was one of the requests that the detective made in Trinity. In fact, that's where my father and brother lived. So I called. Now, beyond that, I'm not getting into any details in this episode. I'm just not. I can't. I don't want to. It's it's very fresh. I, I have to tell you that the past couple of weeks have been... Uh, uh, such a mix of emotions, such a, you know, the, the initial shock starts to wear off and then you start to, your brain starts to piece together, you know, scenarios and what things were like and how decisions were made in that, in those final moments that, that just really absolutely fuck with you. So season three has always has always been and and hopefully will continue to be an exploration of the the brain or the psyche of you know of me. But I have to tell you that this has this has altered me in a way that I don't fully understand yet. It has uh, struck me in a way that I don't understand yet. So you ever get 
You ever get fucked up, like, physically? Like, do you ever been in, a, like, a car accident or have had, like, shit kicked out of you? Or ever, like, any of you people that played sports, like, get hurt on the playing field, but, you know, that you still have the adrenaline. You're still going to run. You, you, you know, we will assess later is what the brain's saying. Still go. You're still going to keep going. You have not survived this yet. And that's exactly how I feel. I feel like my central nervous system is a light with flight or flight responses. Do I stand here and fight or do I just fucking run? And I got to tell you, so much of me wants to pack my shit up and disappear. Goodbye. I don't mean kill myself. I mean, I mean, just... I am the last Sobolewski. As a matter of fact, uh, and I'd, I've done this a couple of times, but I'm going to change the... the uh, name of this episode to the last Sobolewski <laughs> right I mean there aren't any left as you know my sister wasn't my father's daughter although my dad did consider her his daughter and did for her in many many ways something her real dad could never do but she wasn't Sobolewski there's only one left folks unless somebody out there knows of one I'm the last one and uh, I don't know I don't know what to do with that. I'm the last one. I'm the... I need to tell you never in a million years that I see myself here. I, I don't know. After you get to a certain age, you start thinking about your death and who's going to die first. And oh my God, I think it's going to be this. And I never, ever, ever... I always thought my dad would be the last one standing. Or my brother. I just always... They were always such... Uh, good or bad... Uh, uh, symbol of strength insurmountable strength in many ways right for me could never i could never beat my brother i could, you know mentally i could never i could never figure my dad out and i still can't to this day he has continued to absolutely positively shock the living shit out of me he still is able to put a wrench in the works of what a normal person would do and fucking turn it on its ear. And I guess that's what he's always done best. But I gotta tell you something. The other thing that he's always done best is not, is act without ever considering the long-term consequences. And what is that a salesman? Is that what salesmen do? Just get commission now? I'm getting paid now. Who gives a fuck where my next meal comes from? I don't know. I don't know that mentality. I don't even know my mentality. Very confused at this point. I'm very. I don't. I'm angry. I don't know who to be angry at. I'm. I'm hurt, and I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. So, you'll be happy to know, and most people are very happy to know that I started therapy again. You know, you need therapy when you tell the pe the people closest to you, and they're all like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Mm -hmm. None of them. Not a single person that I told that I'm back in therapy and I've been in two sessions now has been surprised. Really? You? Baru? They didn't Scooby-Doo me. <laughs> no, I did not get Scooby-Dooed. Um, so everybody clearly thinks uh, I need to be there. And I agree. And I started. And it's just wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, the person that I started therapy with has a dog in their office. And the, and I'm listen. Me and dog are we're peeps, man. I you know, I donate money to save dogs, and that's not 
See, you're not supposed to say where well, you donated the money if you're really, truly humble, and I am not. So, the dog starts freaking out, man. This dog is, like, walking all over the place. It's like, it, it's like having a little tiny mini anxiety attack. It's one of these little things, the doodle things, a mix between a something and something else. Like, this thing was mixed with, you know, a poodle and love. And, the, you know, now you have this thing that... And all of them look... They all resemble to me the same way that I that I think of when I when you do a close up on Chewbacca in Star Wars, like you know it's a guy in a dog suit, and that's what I think of whenever I see one of these mixed doodles, a Labradoodle, a Poodle Doodle, a, a fucking Pitbull Doodle. Can you imagine that goddamn thing? Um, but when you look into their eyes, they always look like they're about to they're in a mask, like it's a bunch of. <laughs> it's a bunch of chihuahuas inside there trying to equal a big dog. Um, so this thing is walking back and forth during this first therapy session. As And, and again, you know, therapy is, is hey, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to just vomit. So many details you're not going to be able to keep up. You know, for most people, and especially for me, you know, you, you're throwing down the details of your life. Oh, I got this sister and she sucks and I got this brother and blah, blah, blah. And... So I'm laying on the particulars. Here's where I'm from. This is what happened. And she knows why I'm there. She knows the loss. And that, that she says, well, are you going to see me? And I said, you know, I, I lost my father and my brother recently. So uh, she knew why I was there and what the impetus for me going there. And uh, so the dog's, <laughs> dog's going back and forth and back and forth. And she's like, I, I've never seen him like this. So, you know, about a half hour into the appointment, as we get into the crux of the, the current pain, the current wound, the dog gets on the couch and sits right next to me, staring right at me, right? And that's when I'm looking in there, like, when are you going to pull your face off and show me that you're a fucking pit bull under there? And it puts its paw on my shoulder. As if to say, Bri, you know, we've heard enough. This is, <laughs> we'd like you to leave now. No, it was just very touching. This is this is the thing that I love about dogs and that I love about animals in general is their their uh, sense of or their their tuning into emotion in a way, and 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 they feel it almost sometimes with you, and that's just uh, that is there's just nothing else on earth like it. So, got my ass into therapy. Now, this weekend, um, so much of this, this entire couple of weeks has been frustrating. You know, you have to deal with so much and then, then so much is heaped upon you that it becomes overwhelming. One death is enough. Two is overwhelming. To add insult to injury... Over the past couple of weeks, my dad had been calling me, and he's been saying, hey, Bri, uh, it started, I would say, two months ago, if I were to give you a timeline, two months ago, maybe three, where dad texts me and he says, hey, what did your mother do to protect her properties and stuff like that, that they that they want to, he's like, I'm doing a will, and I want to know what mom did to protect her house and her, her stuff that she was passing on to you guys. And I said, well, she formed an LLC, she, it, so it avoided probate. Probate. For those of you that don't know what probate is, and I hope you never have to know, is this when somebody dies, 
all of their estate, unless it's accounted for or, or given to someone specifically, goes into probate, which means any, anybody that that person owed money to can come in and, and get paid. Now, it's a shit process. The family is grieving enough. Do we have to put this person's estate into probate, let it sit for six months so that the creditors can glean all the meat off the bone and then maybe at the end the family might get something to, you know, not that it helps you move on with your life in any way, shape, or form, but it is a gesture that that person thought of you and wanted to do something for you beyond their life expectancy, I guess you would say. I don't know. Like, they hey, while I'm dead, I'd still like to, I'd still like there to be something nice here for you. Now, probate's fucking bullshit. Dad said he was naming me executor of the will. He told me that months ago. He says, hey, I'm going to have my will put together, so I think it's a good idea, you know, just to make sure I'm not getting any younger. All the musings of a 80-year-old man reaching the end of his life, looking at, at what he has and making sure it goes to the places that he wants it to go to. And he, and, he, and he wanted me to do that. Now, you can go back in episodes and, and, talk, and I went into great detail of the honor that I took in doing that for my mother. And, and I'll tell you, I did it to the letter. So to have dad ask me to do this was an honor to me. Now, when you look at his other two choices, you know, when you're picked between two... <laughs> oh, God. My brother couldn't have done it because my brother would have been a mess. My sister couldn't have done it because my sister would have been a mess. I am a mess and would have been a mess. But I know that, you know, my Polish and Russian genes says, fucking pull up your bootstraps and let's get it done. And that's exactly what I have been trying to do over the past couple of months. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Ex-convicts cannot execute a will. Guess what? No ex-convict has ever executed a will in the state of Florida. One, but he was um, he was pardoned by the governor. So his civil rights were restored. This is one of the civil rights that they take from you. Can you imagine can you imagine running into a bank and be like, oh my God, I should stop robbing this bank right now because maybe I won't be able to execute a will someday. But at the same time, when you find out that you can't represent your loved one, the way that they asked to be represented, fucks with your head, man. Fuck you. <laughs> what, what about my ex-con status worries you? And I talked to multiple lawyers about this. It's so funny the way this shit goes down because lawyers don't deal with this very often. So I'm talking to the lawyer that my dad, you know, who, where he had the will made up, he's handling the estate. And he did some searching. He's like, oh, there's only one case. They don't allow it ever. And then, so I, you know, I'm no idiot. I go out to get a second opinion. I want a second opinion on this bullshit. So I call a lawyer in Dallas that is like, you know, he's a good lawyer. And I don't want to be the guy. So he's the Mac Daddy of all lawyers. He represented OJ. Because then you're just going to, you're going to know he represented a piece of shit. And that doesn't make him better in my eyes. This is a very intelligent man. He's a contract lawyer. So he would have never represented OJ. And he, he, he says, something's not right about that. I, there are, you know, there are, there are circumstances. You can be named as a co-executor of the will if you're an ex-con. So he goes, let me call you back and tomorrow after I dig this up, I'm going to do some searching right now and I'll let you know what I find tomorrow. 
We hang up the phone. He calls me back 10 minutes later. Yeah, ex-cons can't execute a will. It took him two minutes. Like, I don't even know what he entered into the fucking law, you know, database search. But poof, nope, ain't happening. So it's just another heaping of bullshit that you got to throw on top of the stress. And, you know, dad left everything to us kids and in certain percentages and did what he did. And we'll get into that at some point because it, it screams how he, you know, his favorite was, was represented amazingly in this will. And, and, you know, and it trickled down and it's just weird. I don't even know how you put a price on, on a kid. I don't know how you, you say this kid is worth this and this kid is worth this and this kid is worth this. I don't know how you do that. I don't know that I could do it. Mom left everything equal amongst all three of us. Dad did not. And it's, it is the same as choosing which one, you know, in some respects, dad potentially left the money where he thought it would be better spent from somebody that couldn't do better for himself. And I know I'm being really vague and, and I just, again, I don't want to get into the crazy details of, of the situation yet. I just can't. I'm sorry. I can't. But what I can give you is the... The solemn promise that I'm back and that I'm going to start doing episodes again. I don't know if they're going to be hour long episodes. I don't know. I want to get back into this slow and you're going to get back into this slow with me. Hopefully, please come back to me and please tell people about this because we're going to get into some real life shit, man. We're going to get in, in some shit that you should be considering. Like this has me considering if you don't have a will, man, you're fucked in this anywhere. And even then, the will has to be good. It has to be very specific. It has to have specific stipulations to make sure that your your wishes are well uh, tended to, you know, postpartum. Yeah, or is that, I don't know, postpartum. Isn't that pregnancy? Postmortem. Postdeath. Postpartum. <laughs> awesome, Brad. Awesome. See where my head's at? Like, my brain is doing fucked up things. Like, I, I can't... It has been very difficult for me to think straight and um, I can go days, you know, without ruminating and without it being, you know, uh, crushing. But then there are times when I just have no control. I walked out of the new Batman movie because something in it uh, that I wouldn't have been sensitive to before offended me deeply. I am hearing words now and seeing things in plot lines that I'm watching on Netflix and Hulu that I don't like it. I don't like it. And it's because it's, it's still a very, very raw place for me to be right now. Very, very difficult. So uh, I, I, am, I, I have always used this as a, a method of catharsis. I can't sit next to somebody like me that's gone through what I've gone through, you know, detail per detail. I can sit next to somebody that has the same amount of pain. And I'm never, I'm now never, ever, ever sit next to somebody and say, your pain is worth, my pain is worth worse than yours. Your pain is worse because it's yours. And my pain is worth worse because it's mine. And if we switched them, they would be the same. So this isn't a measurement of, of that. This is my hope that uh, anything that I could share, anything that comes out of my mouth that you could relate to, that may help you see things differently 
or somebody differently, if you can change your perspective for two seconds, there's value in that to me. And that's why I do this podcast. So I'm 20 minutes in. I'm going uh, I'm gonna end there. But I do have... Guys, I did do the show. I did do the March 26th show. Uh, Pamela. Pamela came up on stage, who is my greatest fan. She is my number one fan. And I put her up on that stage. I gave her a copy of the book. And I, I she came all the way here from Jacksonville, Florida, to Boca Raton, Florida, to see the show. The show was packed. The show was sold out. Kaboom! I had people coming out of the woodwork. I could have sold 90 tickets. I probably could have sold 100 tickets. Who knows? Uh, it was great. It was great energy. The improv troupe did great. I have video. I'll play audio of my stories. It's hard for me to play the uh, the improv parts of it because it's very it's so visual. Because you know you know just three idiots on the stage trying to improv something out, but no, their facial expressions, where they are on the stage, is and how they interact with each other is just so fucking great and so important that it's very difficult audio wise for you to to get that from from there but everything was amazing that whole night everybody that performed on the 26th were they did amazing uh you know it wasn't necessarily a show that was set up to to do a, a comedy improv kind of thing we could use the spotlight and you know but just stupid little technical logistical things uh did not get in the way of everybody shining amazingly bright uh they all came in full force for me so uh, go on uh, Brian Sobolewski, um, my Facebook page, if you want to see. There's a video of that night, and I'm still, I still have a lot of footage. I have all of my um, set on stage. So I think I told four stories or three. They're long. Uh, I was a little all over the place because it was more of a question-answer type format, which threw me off a little bit, but um, I have all of that stuff for you. Um, and I'll throw one of those on the end of this episode so you can kind of listen to just the night it was fantastic um so um thank you so much for listening everybody um i'm back and uh i hope you're back and uh let's move forward we'll see you next week Because he was like, page two, bullshit. There's no, there's no way. There's no way somebody went through. No, no. So by the time you get to page 25, you're like, this is, this is crazy. So I self-published it. And then I left it alone. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a personal trainer. I work. Uh, it is very difficult. The most difficult part of my story is being an ex-con in this country. Okay? I recently lost a loved one. And they asked me to be their executor of their will. I can't. The court won't recognize. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> well, good. Uh, Amanda, we'll come back up and start over. We're gonna start over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to miss it. Oh, you've been Just, here. Yeah, I've been here. Thank you.
She was here. Where I saw you, her. Where did you go? I went around so I wouldn't go in front of the stage and cut you off, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know she was gonna fight back. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, please rest assured that everything you brought with you tonight is safe. I am not gonna take it, but your cars are being loaded into a transport. <laughs> We're taking that shit. We're taking it. But the podcast is special to me because this was my opportunity to really go into detail um, about the robberies and talk to you about exactly what it's like to be an ex-con in this country, what it's like to uh, have to deal with all of that stuff. So I get it. It's an extraordinary story. So I'm, I'm so happy you guys are here. Um, first of all, I would like to thank Mitch Robbins, who owns the hotel, who owns this restaurant. Gave me this room for free so I could do this and try this out. Thank you so much. Um, the son of a bitch isn't here. Like, he has other shit to do. <laughs> One of my best friends, and he's like, Yeah, I can't make it. I got I think, I think there's something on. I think CSI, something. Um, I would like to thank Farmer's Table, uh, your wait staff, everybody here that's special. Tip them well. I've been giving them fitness tips, and they don't seem to like it as much as your regular tips. But hey, listen, you got to work with your wheelhouse. So um, I have a copy of the book here, and I do have people in the audience right now that came uh, from great lengths to be here, actual fans of the podcast, which I never thought would go anywhere. Okay, so uh, if you don't listen to the podcast, first season is the, is the robberies, 22 robberies. Second season is the prison. Third season is after prison. And fourth season is just, uh, I don't know, it's just going to be me talking. I'm, I'm going to read lists of shit. Like, i got to pick up my dry cleaning. <laughs> so um, just a quick round of applause. Who's here from out of state that just came to see this show? Clap, motherfucker. Don't raise your hand. Okay. Anybody have a birthday tonight? She does. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pam. And if you don't know anything about podcasts, can you let go of my hand? Thank you. Wow. You don't get to fuck me. I don't know This is the only. The only fan of my podcast that actually, you can't talk yet, <laughs> that actually paid to listen to it. She pays $4.99 a month. I don't know if she knows yet, but I go <laughs> And I'm so happy to be, to have her here, guys. It's her birthday. Please give her a round of applause. I was her intern, 
And uh, this woman has helped more people than anyone I can possibly imagine fight addiction, and she's just an amazingly giving person. So I'm so happy she's here. Me too. Um, I would like to thank the Resnick family, who's in the back table, because uh, they're from, uh, one of them is from Texas, came all the way here just to, to be here. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I got recognized the other day at Lululemon in the mall here. Uh, I saw you two times, oh my god! I said, oh my god, where did you see me? She's like, I saw you at Doghouse Theater. I'm like, oh my god, did you go? Were you a patron? She said, no, I cleaned the place. <laughs> so, hey, a win is a win. So the first, the first yellow that I heard was breakfast here? Yeah. <laughs> Who said that? Doug. Okay. Doug. Alright, alright. Uh, Doug, you're, you're a fucking boring man. <laughs> but actually, no, it, it's going to be great, because i got to tell you, my mother, when I was 12 years old, announced to all of us that she had been doing laundry for 15 years, she's been cooking for 15 years, not doing it anymore. I've had enough, so cook for yourself. We also, I'm from, I'm from New England, just a town north of Boston, and we used to have in the summertime blueberries that grew everywhere. So I would go out in the woods and I'd pick a ton of blueberries, I'd go home, I'd pour a bowl of Lucky Charms. Where are my lucky charm fans? No, no. You can tell who's poor in the room. That's but um, listen, fuck you. You had parents that cooked for you and shit. If you don't know lucky charms, that's the one with the marshmallow, right? It's basically uh, what it's Adderall in a bowl before Adderall. It's, it's totally that. So I would go home. I would fill the bowl with blueberries. I would fill it with lucky charm. I would pour milk over it. There's a lot of side discussions here. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is my time. Thank you, in the back, school teacher. <laughs> I would pour milk over it, take a tablespoon of sugar, put that on the top, and that is how I went to elementary school. <laughs> Are there any school teachers in? I, 